Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another and our final episode of Friend of a Friend for the Year. It's your host, Olivia Perez. I can't believe we are at the end of 2022. It truly feels so surreal to me. It, the year has just gone by so incredibly fast. I think we've done close to 45 episodes this year. I don't know how we get it done, truly. Christiana, my producer, is a miracle worker. But I just want to say a really quick thank you to everyone who's tuned in this year, everyone listening right now. I'm so honored to be a part of your week every week. This show is just such a thrill for me. It's a dream job. So just thank you guys for letting me show up every week for the coolest job in the world. I'm so ready for the holidays. And this holiday season has been truly so special already. If you don't follow me on Instagram, I didn't see. I got engaged right before Thanksgiving. It was so magical. And I think everything I ever wanted it to be. We ended up going to Denton, Colorado, which is one of my favorite places in the world. And I was so surprised, obviously, getting engaged there. It was the ultimate cherry on top and a place that I think now has a further importance in my life. But it was also just so special because it was the week of Thanksgiving and pro tip to anyone who wants to get engaged doing it around that time is awesome because you don't have to plan like any extra family celebrations. It's already like baked in. We came home and got to celebrate with our families and it was so amazing and also so easy. So the holidays have been kicked off in a really amazing way for me. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. And I'm really looking forward to some upcoming wedding content. I'm thinking about some things that I can share with you guys about the experience, probably a ton of fashion tips. So I'm really excited to dive into that chapter of my life, and I can't wait to take you guys along for the ride, too. This year was such an incredible year for the show. There were so many people who joined Friend of a Friend this year who were bucket list people for me. I think of episodes like Tan France and Zoe Deutsch and Diana Silvers and Jenna Lyons, who, if you listen to the episode, so many of you heard me say that she was like, my childhood fashion icon. She was literally the reason why I got into the fashion industry. So being able to sit down with people like that and hear about their experiences, people who I admire so deeply and really in their respective industries has just been such a joy. And I truly am so proud of how far the show has come. And in that spirit, I wanted to share a few moments from the podcast this year that were really influential for me. There are moments that I heard on the show that I just was not able to get out of my head. They influenced me personally and professionally. And I feel like they also were really crucial life lessons for me this year. And what a better way to have them than from my own guests. So I'm excited to get into it. I'm excited that you guys have tuned in today. And I hope that these lessons are as impactful for you as they have been for me. 
So I want to kick off the lessons with one of my favorite episodes of the year. I'm such a fangirl of this person. And I was like absolutely freaking out when I was able to have her on the show. It's Tegan Gerard of Half-Baked Harvest. And the lesson that I learned from her was that sometimes your weakness can actually become your greatest strength. So let's listen to the clip. I've loved every second of it. Like growing the community, like I'm sure you know and can relate to this, but like growing a community is is so crazy. Like you, I don't think about the number ever, but like just seeing the impact that, right. and, and it, I'm talking about food here, like seeing the impact though that you can have on people's lives is crazy to me. And I love that they feel like I'm just like another small town girl because like I'm not, I love LA and I love New York and I love doing all these things so much, but like in the heart of it, I'm a homebody, like, you know, just like your normal average girl. So I love um, that though, because I think that that it, I can't tell you how many college kids that I will either mentor or like take meetings with and talk to. And they have this idea that because they don't live in this major city, that it's not going to happen for them. And it's, it's something that almost breaks my heart because I'm like, you don't have to go to these places that one feels so unattainable where like the lifestyle might not be what you want mm -hmm. just to pursue a certain thing. I think we have so many resources now where you can really make that's what cool you thing. want of, of what it, whatever it is that you want. Yeah. I mean, I think TikTok has shown that alone. Totally. I, it's crazy what, you know, these, these TikTokers are doing now. But I completely agree. Like I, I used to think there was like a, a little bit of time where I was like, oh, I'm not getting all these opportunities because I'm not in LA and I'm not in New York. And like, you know, it always looks so much uh, better on Instagram, right? Everything like that you're seeing looks so much better on Instagram. But I mean, on your table, yes. No, I just mean like on <laughs> general, other, like if yes, you're comparing yourself to like other influencers or whatever yes. you want to call it. But then I was like, well, there's nothing unique about living in you in LA and no offense to anybody who lives in of LA course. or New York, but like there's nothing unique about that. And in, in this day and age, you have to have something that makes you unique about there's got to be a reason why people are following you and why you're different because there is so many really cool creators, you know, on the internet. If you're just not doing something that is really special and unique, like why, why be the same as someone else, you know? Before I dive into how crucial this was for me, I just really quickly want to say Tegan has some of the best recipes in the game. If you're looking for things for the holidays, if you're hosting, there's honestly no one that I trust more. I moved into a new house in May, so I'm like just kind of starting to entertain in the house. And I had a few friends over a few weeks ago and I cooked her penne alla vodka and it was an absolute hit. Everyone thought I was like a master chef. It was pretty cool. But the secret sauce quite literally, is Tegan. She's amazing. So if you're looking, again, for the holidays, everything from drinks, pastries, full meals, go to halfbakedharvest.com and also get her cookbooks. I have all of them in my house and they have been a lifesaver for me when I have no idea what I'm doing in the kitchen, which is like always. What I loved about this clip and something that I've thought about often, I actually had a moment recently where I was at a brand dinner just a few weeks ago and I was sitting next to someone who's a writer in the industry. She works for a very well-established, well-liked fashion magazine. And we were sitting next to each other halfway through the dinner. She had kind of scooted over to me and she asked me what I did. Well, first I asked her what she did. And she was like, oh, you know, I'm a fashion writer, et cetera. And I was like, cool, that's awesome. And she asked me what I did. And I said, really similar. I'm a content creator. I've been in fashion for a decade. I'm also a journalist and a podcaster. And she looked at me and was like, yeah, but like, you know, you're like second rate, basically. And I didn't know what to say. For my first reaction was like, ouch. But two, I was really interested in why she said that. So I obviously was like, well, why do you say that? And she was like, you know, like 
you can't really do what you're saying from LA. Like you have to be in New York. Like that's where the industry is. Like that's where the people who matter live. Like if you're doing everything from here, you're just kind of like getting the scraps and the bare minimum. Like you don't really matter here. And I'm not going to lie, that like stung. And as many of you guys know who have listened to the show for a long time, I lived in New York for 10 years. I moved to LA very abruptly during the pandemic and eventually just stayed here because it worked. I had built my life here during the pandemic. I was home. My partner lives here. My family lives here. It made sense. So obviously was already a little bit triggered. But I also wanted to look at her and say, I really believe in my heart of hearts that it doesn't matter where you live. Let's take Tegan, for example. Tegan lives you know, two hours, I believe, outside of Denver and has built a community of close to six million people. She makes most of her income, as she says in the episode, from people who visit her website. People are actively seeking out her community every single day and really want to be a part of it. And we talked a lot in that episode about how she's cultivated that community. I remember she said to me, I respond to all of my DMs. I make sure that the people who are following me and people who are in my community feel heard. And those were some incredible tidbits as to how she did it. But to me, what was most impactful about this moment where she talks about being able to kind of spread her wings from a place that's maybe not quote unquote the most like obvious place to live to put yourself out there, I think is a really important lesson to so many of us today, especially in the age of social media. I think you can really make an impact from anywhere. I think you can really build a community of people from anywhere. And she talks about the fact that for a while it was a point of insecurity for her. She was like, should I live in New York or L.A. where these opportunities are rampant? And it eventually got to a point where she was like, well, I actually don't want to be like everybody else. And I actually think that why I have this big successful community is because where I live and how real I am to other people who maybe don't live in major cities is what my special sauce is. So. I just really quickly want to say that that was so important for me this year and just understanding that one, never let people tell you what your impact is or isn't, but two, you can make a difference from anywhere you live. I'm super proud of all of the work that I've done this year, running this show, working with my absolute dream brands, getting to travel the world and attend fashion weeks in New York and Milan. And so it was just a little reminder to not let anybody ever tell you of your worth. Again, you can live anywhere and get it done. If you're curious as to how to build a community, I highly recommend you check out that episode. Tegan was so giving with all of, you know, her tidbits of advice, her journey all the way from starting Half Baked Harvest when she was just, I think, 19 years old to now being a like absolute powerhouse. Her cookbooks are best selling. She just did a collaboration with Sniff. She's the best. Go listen to that episode. We'll be right back after a quick break. If you want to give the gift of good hair this season, listen up because there's a product that I use religiously and I know is going to be the ultimate stocking stuffer for anyone in your life. My hair has been growing like weeds. I have to get a haircut once a month. It is bouncier, shinier, and healthier than ever. And I'm going to let you in on my secret. It's called K18 and it's bringing you into the future of hair care with their leave-in molecular repair hair mask that reverses damage in just four minutes. What else can you get done in only four minutes? It's incredible. Unlike most products that cover up damage, this clinically proven breakthrough repairs damage from bleach and color, chemical services, and heat on all hair types. The secret is in their patented K18 peptide. It was born after 10 years of complex bioscience research to restore strength and elasticity in the innermost layers of your hair. And since damage is ongoing, I'm raising my hand. I know that I'm someone that likes to get a blowout all the time. I know you guys are too. You can start fresh with softer, smoother, stronger, and bouncier hair that lasts. This leave-in molecular repair hair mask has gone absolutely viral because it truly works. 
And the best part is K-18's Easy Leave-In fits into any routine, so you can repair daily damage with less stress and frustration. I use it about twice a week, and I've noticed such a difference with the consistency in my routine. And plus, the ultimate stocking stuffer, you can get the Reset and Repair Hair Kit for $75. I promise anyone you give that gift to will thank you, and so will their hair. Bring your hair into the future with the K-18 Molecular Repair, available now at Sephora and Sephora.com. Shop K-18's Leave-In Molecular Repair Hair Mask at Sephora and Sephora.com. Now let's get back to the show. The next episode I want to highlight is with Tamara Kalanich, who is a dear friend of mine and a fellow fashion influencer. Talking about another powerhouse, she is absolutely one in the fashion industry. She is someone I often look to for inspiration. She is always ahead of the game, always creating the best content. So when I got to have her on the show, I was so excited to talk with her about how she is constantly innovating in the content world and how she stays on top of content and creating interesting and engaging content. A lesson that I really learned from her is all about being the first mover and having no ego in business. So let's listen to the clip. We are now accustomed to this like really fast moving world. So people look at an Instagram post like for two seconds and they already swipe away. It's that's how their attention spam is, right? So it's super important to constantly keep changing, which is almost impossible to maintain. It's like unachievable. Um, But what I think is super important is to be the first mover. So if like there's a new Instagram feature, you have to try it. You cannot mess it up. It's, it's like a new thing for everybody, right? So when the story started, I was like, okay, I need to post stories like immediately because it doesn't matter if it's going to be successful or not. It's something to try. When lives started on Instagram, I grew, I remember in like only a few months, like two, 300,000 followers on Instagram just from lives. Yeah, because basically it was a new feature and Instagram had like a popular page and they were putting lives of people uh, who were using it like nonstop in yeah. order to incentivize them, like, you know, to be like, okay, use live. And I noticed that I was growing from live so much. So I was like, I have to be on a live like four times a day. And I would be like doing my makeup, you know, and like talking to people right. and it just be in the background. But so many people got an opportunity to see my account just because of that. So when Reels started, I was like, okay, this is a new feature. There's no time to waste because the so- sooner I start, sooner I will be like, okay, bad at the beginning. And then I'll be able to get better and better and better at it when everybody else jumps on it. But, you know, there's also a lot of ego on social media and people think like, oh, if I do something badly, everybody will laugh at me. You took the thought out of my brain. You know what I mean? It's all about the ego. So people are so scared. But actually, uh, in a year time, when you're a pro at it, who's going to be laughing then? I think I think about this quote literally every single day. It has become so integral to like what I do, obviously, as someone in social media. But I think about it in terms of like of any job out there. Yes, she's talking about being a first mover. You know, you see something coming up, you jump on it. You see a new platform coming up, you jump on it. A new trend, jump on it. You always want to be a person who is, you know, part of pop culture and part of moving things forward. And I think that's really important, especially if you're in the fashion, news, entertainment space. But it's not just about that. What she's saying is about having no ego in your pursuit. And that to me was so important because I even am my own worst enemy in that situation sometimes. I can see something come up and be like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be so bad at it. And this is something I often reflect on as an adult, you know, who's a, you know, a few years away from entering her 30s. I think about the fact that as adults, we are not often given the opportunity to try something new. 
Because by this age, we're all expected to be our expert professionals in whatever field that we're in. And during COVID, I really dove into that because I just moved back home. I was technically in a new city. I was like craving community. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go take a few classes from pottery to acting and just like see if I can expand my creativity a little bit, maybe meet some new friends. And it was so helpful for me. And anytime I told someone about it, they'd be like, wow, like that's so interesting because I think it's something that us as adults, we want to constantly do, but maybe we don't make time for. And we also are like, well, we don't want to start from square one. But that starting from square one is something that has been like so helpful for me as an entrepreneur, as a person, as a creative person, because I just constantly want to be following my curiosities and not be worried about what other people think about me in that pursuit. So Tamara's example here was specifically when Instagram Reels launched. And for her, you know, I love she ended that quote saying like, look who's laughing now, because she gained, I think, close to a million followers by being one of the first movers on Instagram Reels. She was like, you know what? No one's, this is new. So technically no one's going to do it right. So why don't I just try it? And I think that egoless pursuit of putting yourself out there, trying something new and understanding that even if she fails, it's going to be fine. And if she succeeds, there's a major reward, I think is a really incredible piece of advice for life for just putting yourself out there fearlessly and following your curiosity. Okay, this next bit was actually one of my most saved videos. I remember when I put it up, people were saving it, sharing it and commenting on it. And it was one of those things that I think people really related to because it was incredible advice. It was from our episode with Rachel Rogers, who, if you don't follow, I highly recommend following. She's a financial advisor and probably one of the smartest people I know. She's the author of the book, We Should All Be Millionaires. She has an incredible following on Instagram, and her Instagram is literally just like one of the best resources for financial advice. And having her on the show is awesome because we were able to talk about not only the finance side of being an entrepreneur, but she also talks about some amazing advice for, quote unquote, getting the sale. And I think that applies to anything that you're doing, especially entrepreneurs, putting yourself out there and pitching yourself. My best lesson from her was that she really made me realize that you are your best advocate. You are your best publicist. So let's listen to the clip. Pitching is not just about getting the thing that you want. Sometimes you will get it. Yes, but but sometimes it's just letting somebody know you exist. And then if you have the opportunity to meet them in person or something else comes up, You just never know what rooms your name might be spoken in if you are willing to put yourself out there and start building those relationships. And it can start as simple as sending a cold email. That can be the beginning of it, right? But it doesn't need to be the end. We have actually, when we do um, the 10K in 10 Days Challenge in the club, which we actually, it's happening this month. So it's very exciting. We did the kickoff yesterday. Yes. So it's so amazing to see and all of the messages that come in. People are so hype and the stories are incredible. But one of the things that we have them do is something I saw on the internet. I don't know who created this. I'm not the author of this. But somebody, um, I saw an article years ago about the like rejections challenge, right? And the goal was to collect like 100 rejections, which means like you have to pitch yourself enough to collect 100 rejections. And so um, some of the folks who were doing the 10K in 10 Days Challenge last July when we did it, they were like, okay, I'm just going to put myself out there. And my goal is just to collect a hundred rejections. And by the time they got to the 20th or 30th rejection, they had so many people hiring them that they actually had to stop because they couldn't pitch themselves anymore because they were at capacity. Right. Because along with those rejections, you actually get a lot of people who say yes. Right. And so you wind up getting a lot of yeses, but you have to increase the chances going back to math 
of you getting those yeses and the way that you increase the chances is by having more pitches going out, right? Putting yourself out there more. Um, I think everybody thinks that like, oh, I just want to be discovered by like doing videos on social media every day. And that's great. And listen, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with webinars. Nothing wrong with any of this digital marketing strategy. But there's just a tried and true way of putting yourself out there and asking the direct person who you want to work with, you know, for the sale. Like there's, there's just no replacing that piece of it, you know? And so that's one of my favorite things to do. I think um, I've heard it also called spearfishing, you know, just like calling or DMing somebody and saying, Hey, this is my offer. I'd love to work with you. Let me know if you're interested. And then the other benefit is too, you get amazing data. Cause if they say no, you find out why they say no. And then sometimes you can change your offer or change. Yes, exactly. Now you know how to serve that client better because they've told you why it's not working for them. Again, I love this bit. Like she actually talks about the key to pitching. And, you know, I think at the same time, we're all so scared to pitch because we're afraid of rejection. But I love how she flips it on its head here and basically says that, hey, sometimes you want to pitch for rejection. You want to understand why people want to work with you and why they don't. And getting that data and that knowledge on yourself is really impactful. And it can be a resource for you to learn and grow. But most importantly, I really love the way that she talks about you being your best advocate no matter what. You can sell your story better than anybody. But also on the note of pitching, I think another really good tip that she brings up is you have to pitch every day. Pitching is like a muscle. If you don't flex it and you don't work it every day, it doesn't work for you and it doesn't grow stronger. I at least make time, I think, once a week to send pitches out, whether it's like blocking out an hour or two every single week. I think it's also just such an important time to like zoom out and think creatively. Sometimes I think we can get so stuck in like the day-to-day of our work, emails, calendar invites, responding to texts, getting whatever those like, you know, day-to-day tasks are that I think we forget to zoom out and think big picture. And setting that time to pitch in my calendar every week allows me to zoom out and be like, what are my goals between now and the next six months? Like, what brand do I want to pitch to work with me on X project? Or what brand do I want to bring in for maybe this project that I have in four months? I think it is so important to carve out that time to creatively think about you and your business and your goals. Okay, this next bit is from, I think, one of my favorite episodes of the year with, I'm saying favorite a lot, but my favorite fashion writer. If you don't follow Jose Criales and Zueta on Instagram right now, please go follow him. He is one of the best fashion writers I know. He comes at it from a critical lens. And as you're about to hear in this clip, He has a very specific perspective, and I think that's what makes him so intriguing. In this clip that I thought about for literally days after he said it, Jose basically gives a masterclass on self-branding. Let's listen to it. I think my best piece of advice is find find what you're about. Like, find the kind of writing you want to do. Find the point of view. And it's not, like, in terms of find your niche like yes finding your niche is important but that's so um, all, just a part of this whole thing that i'm trying to say it's not about you know trying like being only having one single sort of perspective and just applying that perspective to everything it's about almost finding a looking glass right it's like i i i love the internet and i love queerness those two are my two looking glasses right I love the way the internet and digital culture has altered fashion forever. I think, you know, the arrival of Instagram over the last 10 years, TikTok over the last two or three years have changed fashion forever, right? And I love to study what happens on those platforms and how it translates from from URL, the digital space, to IRL real life, right? That's one of my looking glasses. 
the other end is like, I love queerness. I love queer community. I love queer culture. I love queer fashion. I love campiness. I love all of these things that pertain to queerness, right? And that's my other looking glass. So my, the way in which I approach fashion writing is always through one of these two lenses, right? Whether they, have, they apply to whatever brand or whatever story I'm writing about or not, that already allows me to sort of have a point of view. That already allows me to have a take, right? The take and the point of view can change over time, that's fine. But the way in which I'm approaching them is unique to me because it, it's, it's informed by the things I find interesting, by the things I enjoy, and as you said, the things I know about. And that's what I personally am about. So for anyone who wants to sort of start writing or who wants to, to grow within fashion writing specifically, that's my main advice. Like find what you're about and, and apply it to the way in which you look at fashion and the way in which you write about fashion. Because something, what really breaks through the noise these days is that it's having that point of view and being able to show, to show it to people and Fearless. editors and exactly. And I found that, I found that editors and, and all like other writers and all these people that are looking for new talent are looking for that, you know, are looking for someone that, as you said, fearlessly has something to say and, and has found the best way of communicating, you know, and don't be shy about sharing writing. Don't be shy about, you know, I find that so many people are like, oh, but no one's going to read it. Like if I start a sub stack, if I, if I do long Instagram captions, I'm like, who cares? You know, like put it out there and you'll find that like, if you have a thousand followers, maybe 10 will read it. That's perfectly fine. Those 10 will share it. And then, you know, you'll gain two followers out of that. And little by little, you create a community and little by little you create, you find impact. I love what he says here, not just because I'm a journalist and I can completely relate, but I think because it relates to everything in life. Jose makes such a great point here that, that everybody needs to find their looking glass. Like, what is your perspective? Like, what color do you see the world? I totally understood what he was saying here because as someone who reads his writing and is a big fan of his, I understand the work that he's put into understanding his looking glasses. The two things that he really cares about and is passionate about and that he brings into all of his writing. And I think that's just so important for all of us to think about whether you're a writer or not is, you know, what do we want to bring to the table at our work that inspire people and make people think differently? If you are someone who's really interested in social media and being a content creator, I think this message is invaluable. Find your looking glasses, understand what your perspective is and have that be your North Star. And something else that we talked about on this episode, he wrote a story a little while ago called In Defense of Trying. And the story was about the fact that every time he goes out, whether he's going to a bar or the movies, he always puts on a look. And, you know, he talks about the fact that, you know, we're, we're kind of in this era right now where watching people do like get ready with me videos and like how everything seems super lo-fi and like it's this whole video about putting like jeans and a t-shirt and a belt on basically, you know, how we're kind of in that era of simple dressing and how he wants to, you know, dress more. And this whole story was inspired by him going out with his friends to Tumble Bar in New York City and seeing again, everyone wearing something similar and him and his three friends in the corner, like in a look. When I tell you that like Jose dresses up, Jose's fashion is impeccable. And I know that he was wearing a look. So I love that while out this night and kind of experiencing fashion in New York City, he came up with this idea that was based on something that he knew and experienced. And I think the best writers in the world are people who can experience something in real life and then find a way to share it with people in a way that feels relatable 
And Jose did that so beautifully here. And he really did it through his two looking glasses. And so I think, again, if you're looking to be a writer or anyone in social media, I think this is just like a perfect way to sit down and really understand who you are, what you're about, and what you have to share with the world. Okay, and last but not least, I mentioned it in the beginning of this episode, so I absolutely have to share it in the episode. The one and only Jenna Lyons. I think Jenna is just the coolest person ever and really is just such an iconic figure in the fashion industry. She's defined so much of what we wear and see in the world today. And so it was a true honor to have her on the show. But something that she said on the show about how she brings her ideas to life, she talks about how if you listen to too many outside influences, you're going to lose the plot. Listen to this clip. What's your best piece of advice for people who want to build careers with impact? I mean, I think there has to be a purpose or a reason. You know, the reason I started Love Scene was because I don't have eyelashes. And so I noticed them on anyone. Speaking of which, yours are insane. Thanks. And when you know, when you we have something you feel deficient in, you often notice it in other people. And so teeth and hair and eyelashes and skin are all, they all are woven in there for me. And, you know, I noticed all the women in my office were coming in wearing eyelash extensions. And the flip side of that, there was strip lashes, which is what ours technically are, were so over the top and I couldn't wear any of them. And I was like, there's got to be something in between. And so I think when you are, when there is a real need, you are filling a void and you are being of service. That is the best way to build something. When it, there has to be a reason. There needs to, you're not, you need to be solving a problem. Just putting more stuff out into the world isn't necessarily, you, if you don't have a reason for being, you don't have a reason for being. And I do think that there is this idea of like, oh, I can just do, I jump on the bandwagon. And the fact of the matter is, it people see through that. It also is hard because when you're building and making decisions, there aren't, they're not coming from you. Mm. And and it makes it your instincts a little wonka donk when you when you don't have like an internal North Star. And so for me, it's it's easier in focus because I have a really clear idea of what I want to accomplish. I'm not trying to be something else. I'm literally just trying to create a product that serves people like me or people who want to have a lighter look in beauty and still want eyelashes. They still want pump, but they don't want overly pumped. And that was the goal. And that's always been the goal. And so it's like, I don't, I'm not confused about what I'm doing. And I, I think it can get really hard and people get, I've heard millions of designers say, oh, I'm getting feedback from, you know, our retailer that they want us to make this, that, or the other thing. I'm like, if you are too guided, it doesn't mean you don't listen to your customer, but if you are too guided by outside influences, you will lose the plot. It is a dangerous game. So like stick to your guns, do what you want to do and like have a purpose. So when I have interviewed Alyssa Wasco, who is the founder and designer of Donnie, she said something so similar here. She said that, you know, she had been designing for about five, six years. And if you're a follower of Donnie, you know that Donnie has a very clear design language. And there was one season where I think that, you know, large, bold florals were in trend. And a bunch of people in her office were saying to her, Alyssa, we have to do florals. Like, it's so on trend right now. And if we don't, we're going to fall behind. She was super hesitant to do it because it's so off brand for Donnie, if you know Donnie. And she was like, you know what? Okay, I'll follow the trends. I'll do it. She did it. It flopped. It didn't sell because that's not what her audience wants. And both of these designers, who I think have made incredible accomplishments in the fashion industry, have both touched on this point of if you share with too many people and you ask too many people's opinions versus trusting your own gut, you might lose the plot a little bit, which is the most important part of your story. And I remember it was Earth Day this year, and I was at a dinner where Aurora James was being honored. 
And she got up on stage and gave such an incredible speech. I'll never forget it. She said, the night before I launched the 15% pledge, if I had called maybe my five best friends and told them what I was doing, 15% pledge would have never happened. And not to say that asking your friends and asking for advice isn't a good thing. But I think that sometimes we're so quick to believe the judgment of others and believe their advice and spread our idea really far and wide that it doesn't become sacred to us anymore. So I love this moment here. I think it's about trusting your gut, trusting your intuition. Obviously, I really believe in sharing the idea and getting really important feedback. But I think being smart about who you're asking and who you're sharing it with so it doesn't become this thing that morphs into what other people's vision is, I think is so important. So if you have an instinct, if you have a gut, follow it. I feel so lucky to have been able to listen to these five incredible people on Friend of a Friend this year. And these moments have been so deeply impactful for me in my work. I also feel really grateful to be able to have this show where I'm able to pull out these tidbits and learn from some of the smartest and most creative and successful people in the world. So I hope that these moments were impactful for you guys too. And I am so excited for more episodes next year, more gems and more lessons. I hope you guys have an incredible New Year's, whatever your plans are, whether you're staying home, traveling, spending it with family, spending it with friends. I hope that you have the most incredible end of the year. I'm sending you all my love. I'm off to Mexico for the next two weeks, so I'll see you guys when I'm back. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you haven't followed the show yet, find us wherever you listen to your podcasts, and please make sure that you rate and leave a review. See you guys next year. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.